Please insert audio disc one. Welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Ferry, joined with Jay Bates and April Wilkerson. <laughs> yeah, that's uh it it gets boring the the same way every time. Insert uh-huh. audio tape 1. <laughs> Flip over disc now. What are hey guys, tapes? welcome back. <laughs> um before we get too far into it, I'm going to go ahead and mention the patrons. Uh if you guys want to support us over on Patreon, it's patreon.com/the-woodworking-podcast. And I'm going to go in reverse order for a specific reason today. But anyways, uh, St. Nixter, Christopher Michael Copes, Terry Burns, Dyson, Paige Bonifaci, Fred McIntyre, Kyle Veach, uh, Darren Pruitt, Steve Mills, John Wilson, Clement Breezard, Martin Wagner, Jim Bashirs, George Thomas, jo- Don Chesser, Modern Builds, Jason Adamzek, Chris Stokesmore, Cole Bouchard, James Jameson Elam, J.M. Tosses, Crip, yeah, Crip, Chris Capistran, David Moffitt, Terry Mulligan, Scott McWilliams, Darren, Daryl John, and Joe Montana. Good old Joe Montana. I, uh, it's funny. I got to mention that for a couple seconds because he actually uh, donated to me over on PayPal on my website, and I had to respond back immediately. And I said, "Are you?" The football player Joe Montana, and he said, and he said no, which is, you know, I appreciate the donation, but it was kind of a bummer because I, I grew up watching Joe Montana and Jerry Rice; those were kind of my my go to football players. But then he was telling me, no, he hasn't gotten that in a few years. But in the early two thousands, people wanted to know if he was related to Hannah Montana, <laughs> which that's got to be rough. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's like no, Joe Montana is my internet name. I'm I'm really Brett Favre. oh that's that's really funny anyway so we definitely appreciate that over on patreon and uh yeah and my intro had to be a little bit different today for whatever reason (laughs) we also want to thank uh louis uberg for hitting the contribute button on the website as well so thank you very much for all of those who contribute and help make this possible thanks guys Louis Uberg. I actually put his question in the thing today. Well, there you go. So that that's a coincidence. I didn't know it because Jay just updated that. But so I, I'm not playing favorites, except for maybe Saint Nixter and Joe Montana. But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's really Brett Favre. Remember, if you get a cool name, you get a prime spot. Yep, I agree. All right. So what do we got? We got going on different things. It always says breaking news, but mine is not. By any means, like da, 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 breaking news, this just in. Um, <laughs> None of it ever is. I don't know why we have that on our spreadsheet. <laughs> we can but say d- what's new. Let's just what's say crap. New? Crap, we're doing. Yeah. Well, considering mine is so, so interesting that I I had written down dealing with foam packaging. <laughs> but I, I saw that. And I was like, is that a joke? <laughs> but I wanted to actually. I wanted to question the audience um, about. I, you know, Christmas time, holiday season, I've been ordering a lot off Amazon and I got cardboard boxes up to yin yang. I got foam, you know, when you, or I, I bought a buffer, you know, like a slow speed dedicated, you know, it's like a grinder, but it's buffer. That way I don't have to switch out my, my grit on my, uh, grinding wheel. But anyways, it came in, you know, 
the pre-molded EPS foam. And we live in an area to where you just have like a garbage bin and we have a recycling bin. But anything past that, you have to save it for next week. Well, man, this time of year is crazy. I got all sorts of stuff I've been ordering for the shop and cardboard boxes just stacked to the ceiling in one corner with all that foam and stuff. You can't break down the foam. So I wonder if people have that same problem. Do you, you guys have that problem with no, not having really. to dispose of that? No, we, we've got, um, we're out outside city limits and just about everybody around here has like a little burn barrel or something like that. But uh, no, we don't have, we don't have an issue with that. Well, well currently we're in a uh, burn ban. We've had such a nasty drought uh, for the past, man, it's been since, um, since, since October, we haven't really had much rain other than like yesterday and, and today it, it stormed, but yeah, we've been under a burn ban for so long. And, and now, uh, the Southeast Michigan, Southeast United States is the forest fires, which is, is so weird to hear. Like Gatlinburg, Tennessee is burning. That's, that's insane. That that's crazy. It's not something from around here, but anyway, um, yeah, easily distracted. No, uh, we don't have a problem just getting rid of the stuff. I do. I guess if I have a, a lot of packages, I typically burn the cardboard, and but the styrofoam is the is the killer. So I just break it up into small bits and throw it in the trash can. And then, of course, it just takes up so much space. So if I have other stuff that I'm trying to throw away, then I'll just break it up over multiple weeks. But, hmm. of course, that's a heartache, too. Well, with the cardboard, we don't have as much of a problem. It's, I mean, I, I should really get a truck at some point. Uh, we just have the one car, so it's if the boxes are big. But we have a, a craft paper mill, you know, just a few miles from my house, and they got a pulping, you know, mill right there. So they accept all the the brown cardboard. You know, you just drop it off any time or night. But man, That's the nice. styrofoam is, oh, man, it's just it's it's so on my nerves lately. Just to three pieces of styrofoam and then the garbage container is filled up for the week. Yeah, and then you try to break it up into smaller bits and. Uh, it gets everywhere, like at the breaking point, it shatters into smaller pieces. And so it just gets all over the yard. I can't stand it. And I can't, I can't stand the sound that it makes, but yeah, breaking it up is sure is, um, helpful, Nick. It takes up a little less room at least. No, this is like solid stuff. Like there's only a real small cavity. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's not like sheets or you can even break it up. Yeah. But even if it's like a big rectangle that typically fits on like on a long, the long side of the box or something. Cause I just got a keyboard and same thing. It had a uh, styrofoam uh, top and bottom. And so it was as long as a keyboard is. And so what I did is I just chopped it up into smaller rectangles and almost like a sushi roll and then <laughs> shoved those smaller bits in the, uh, in the trash can. So instead of two large rectangle pieces, taking up the majority of the space, now it's like sushi roll pieces at the bottom. I bet the styrofoam tastes better than sushi. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> April made you try something that was pretty hardcore sushi for your first bite. I would have started oh. you off with a with a California roll or something. No. Yeah, I made, I made it. I made Jay try eel. He That's didn't his like first it. bite. It's so yeah, good. It's I'll, so good. Oh, I prefer like Cheez Its or something. <laughs> Chicken. Yeah. But no, the only other thing that I'm working on is just you know Christmas gifts. I've been. I turned uh, that bowl, I had that video out, and then that's going to be a Christmas gift, but I figured, you know, just a bowl. So then I made a spoon and a spatula out of maple as well, and that'll be kind of a little gift set. And, uh, you know, I actually, I didn't write this down because this is just came up, but I actually have to say yay or nay to so this. So this, this is breaking news, right? Breaking this is news. Breaking, breaking news. news. Breaking news. 
just in from the fairy household. <laughs> this came up last night that one of the, the theater houses wanted me to design or design and build a prop, but they would need it done in like three days. And they just were describing some sort of orb to me. So I, I thought if I could do an inside out turning with either like four or maybe six pieces that would essentially, it would look like there's a glass sphere inside. I wouldn't worry with the glass. And then they wanted it glowing. And I was thinking almost one of those snap, you know, glow sticks. But I might not be able to take the project on just because of how quick they need the turnaround. And I really wanted to film it to make it a video, which would make it take even longer. So, but that was my breaking news. Breaking so you're news. not going to take it on? I don't know. I told him I would let him know by the end of today. And mm -hmm. I actually was hoping to get out of the shop, out it, to the shop this afternoon and just try and knock it out quick. Yeah. And, you know, if I do, then I'll be like, okay, then I'll do it. <laughs> you're on. <laughs> well, good luck with it. That sounds like a really cool project. Yeah. I don't even know what play it's for either. Um, it's just supposed to be some sort of orb. Glowing thing. orb. Yeah. But it, it should be interesting. I mean, I guess I could always just get some like aluminum strapping and essentially wrap it around like a basketball to form it and then just rivet it on the top. But I figured if I could make it like a thicker, substantial piece, it could even be out of foam. I've turned plenty of things out of foam, but um, then just paint it black and then some um, like silver um, uh, rubbing paste, uh, rub and buff or something like that to make it look like kind of a mill scale iron, something like that. But yeah, what do you, what do you guys have for breaking news? Um, nothing is breaking here at my house. That's good news. <laughs> <laughs> what are you working on then? No, I'm not. Uh, I haven't started this week's stuff. This is uh, Tuesday when we're recording this. Once we get done with this, I'm going to get out in the shop and hopefully make a couple gift boxes. Um, and and I just made the chessboard box, so it's kind of like eh, I want to make them different but the style that i want to go with see, i want to make the videos different i don't want to have two videos that are like the same back to back but i want to make the style of the box somewhat similar so I'll, i guess i'll figure out the details before i hit the record button but um the struggle is real people the struggle <laughs> is real um but also i uh the, the premise of the box i want to make something for my grandmother and i gave her some turned pens last year and she's Last year. No, it hasn't been last year. I got it in April, so I guess like five months ago, something like that. And uh, she was pretty impressed with that, and, and she, she really enjoy, and really enjoys it because, you know, she still writes her checks, does her, uh, you know, the, the, the checkbook balance and all that stuff, and, and mail stuff. So I'm like, well, hey, that's a great little gift idea, like a, like a postal box. Make a box that holds envelopes, a stamp with her address on it, give her a roll of stamps. Uh, matching pen and then maybe like a letter opener all contained in this one little box and then she has a decorative item that can like sit on the shelf or something like that but it's actual actually function functional for her so that's kind of that's the, a, the route i'm leaning towards that's a really cool idea i uh, yeah i like that the whole like all-encompassing kit type thing because when I years ago, when I did craft shows, I would do little cheese boards and then cheese knives, and then like you know, you could do like a, a wine, you know, wine glass holder, and you could sell it as a kit, and they all match like wood species wise. But you could always break it up and sell them individually. But I, I really like that whole 
I, you could almost call it what a correspondence or stationary set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> what do you got going on, April? Man, not a whole lot of nothing. It, like Jay said, it's Tuesday when we're, we're recording this. And I took off Saturday, Sunday, and yesterday to just do nothing but mess around my house. It's been lovely. <laughs> that is nice, isn't it? It's so nice. Yeah, I've been, you know, I, I did that covered patio and then I moved directly into the stairs. So it was just like big project after big project. And during the stair build, I had two trips. One to my folks where I did a project there and then one to Ohio. Um so yeah, it's just been kind of like a really hectic November. So got done with those stairs, decided to take a, the weekend off. I bought a keyboard. I'm going to start learning how to play piano, which is exciting. And then probably today, probably after we record this, I'll go ahead and get started on my next project, which is going to be trenching an airline from my shop to Cody's shop because he's always running my hose reel which is in the middle of my shop on the ceiling, out my door and and out to his shop to use his pneumatic tools. So yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and bury an airline uh, for him so that he can have a dedicated airline and not 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 have to uh, run a cord through mine. That should be cool. Yeah, it should be easy, I think, and it should it'll be really functional. The only thing that I'm worried about is the compressors on the back side of my shop, which will roughly put it around, I believe, seventy feet from like from the compressor once it's actually in his shop so um the the box or the yeah the box of the tubing material that i was looking at it gives you a little chart and it can kind of calculate what the cfm drops to for a length of hose away from compressor and um it's going to be roughly around 40 cfm in his shop which looking at tools on what he uses i think it should be more than plenty what about adding a holding tank in the in his shop? How how does that work? I've never heard that. Just the uh, your your compressor feeding a hose, which feeds another tank, non 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 motorized tank. Hmm. Um, just just to have the 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 volume there to give him some pressure. Love that. And you know, I actually have a. I think it's a five gallon air compressor. It's like an Irwin that no longer works. But I, I wonder if I can just strip off the tank. You said five gallon or five like five horsepower. It's five gallon. It's a five, it's yeah, a, you could you could it's totally a small use five that. gallon compressor. I could I could just use the yeah. tank off of it, feed into it, and then for sure. Cool. One one thing to keep in mind with with going uh, trenching the line, you might want to think about a drip leg. Yeah, and that's you know the the lowest point is where the moisture is going to want to go, and might want to think about a way to. Um, deal with that moisture in the line yeah i I was gonna put a ball valve um well two probably one to actually kill the line whenever he's not using it and then a second one to uh drip out all of the condensation that builds up through it but i'm just saying if you're trenching down below grade that's where the water is gonna go yeah but whenever the air actually moves through it won't it pick up any condensation and then i can trap it on one side or the other either going in or out of below ground because I'm only going in the ground about four, maybe six inches, not yeah, deep. It, as soon as you come out of the ground into his shop, just put a, a water separator. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. And then anything that's trapped in the line will be blown into the separator and then just drain it from there. Mm-hmm. Does he do any spraying, like paint spraying? No. No? Okay. Then he should be good. Yeah, I think it, I think it, um, it'll be a cool project, but I, I didn't even consider that holding tank. That's a great idea. 
But I think it should be simple. I'm going to run some conduit under the ground. Even though the 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 PEX line that I have, it actually says that it's rated for uh, for direct bury. But this way, if the if the line ever for whatever reason gives out, or I want to upgrade it and move up to something a little bit, uh, maybe some three quarter inch line, then I could just pull it out of that sleeve, the conduit sleeve in the ground, and replace it. Could also look into a check valve on the tank so that you know it, he could have say I don't know 40 psi in the tank and then the line I'm just trying to think about this but so where you're actually getting like full pressure so that the tank pressure can't go back into the line so if, if your air compressor is not on he could still have 90 psi in his tank mm. so it's I'll just something at, to think about yeah I'll look into it good suggestion but yeah that's all I have going on so not, not nothing too exciting I, I'd be excited about trenching in an airline. Oh, yeah, I definitely am, especially because the weather is so nice here. Like, I'm that's why I'm doing all these projects outside right now is because it's winter to the rest of the world, but in Texas, it's 70 degrees. So it's like the perfect time to get outside and do something if you're going to. We got, uh, it's unseasonably warm here as well. We have, I think it's, it's probably around 46 degrees right now for <laughs> for almost being December. Wow, that's really warm. That's like long sleeve shirt warm. That's yeah. Funny. Normally, it'd be like, I don't know, 5 or 10 degrees right now. Oh, boy. So, yeah, you guys want to get into some questions? Sure. Uh, Rob Failer uh, has a question, and, and, I, and I appreciate Rob gave the phonetic pronunciation of his last name. So, that way, I, I can't butcher it too badly. But anyways, he said he's been starting to work with SketchUp to learn the modeling stuff. He's building some 2x4 garage shelves. Uh, he's wondering if we've moved from the paid version of SketchUp uh, or similar tool, and if so, at what point or time did we make the move? Uh, me personally, I just use the the free version. So yeah, if you're not selling any plans, uh, there's no reason, in my opinion, to move to the to the paid version. Yeah, there's there's um, basically if you don't absolutely 100% need the added stuff, which is basically the layout. Uh, application, then don't use the version. And on top of that, I wouldn't even recommend SketchUp 16. Uh, go back and get a copy of SketchUp 8. It's completely free. There's no limitations as far as commercial use, like if you use it for your clients. Um, so I think there is a stipulation with SketchUp 16. You can't use it for commercial use. Uh, maybe there is a dollar sign limit on that as far as like how much you can use it for commercial use. Or maybe that's Fusion 360. Anyway, the old SketchUp 8 is what I always recommend. Um, if you can find a copy on the internet, uh, just it's just great. And if you can't find one there, just go to jayscustomcreations.com slash SketchUp. And on that page, I've got a couple download links for SketchUp 8 on Windows and Mac. Um, but I, I contemplated getting the, the paid version for the layout application. But I do have an alternate method for making project plans with adobe software so for that reason i didn't quite justify purchasing it so if if you have a way around it then save the money and another thing to mention too when we mentioned plans um, all of us sell plans but it's also something to, worth thinking about you might want to make plans just for your execution because i know i know jay oftentimes does that to where when he makes the plans when he goes to make the project he'll make it off of his own plans and i've seen him do it and it's pretty seamless that way so even if you're not going to make plans to sell them sometimes making plans just to kind of give yourself a 
a plan of attack. I, I don't have a synonym for plan, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I just, I kind of like that idea, but then again, I sometimes just like going out to the shop and start cutting. Yeah, I'm a fan of, of building it in SketchUp and then making a plan of it in SketchUp because when you do that, you're, first off, you're, you're, Getting all the all the dimensions and the look of it all tweaked out before you start building, before you start making sawdust, lessen the chance of errors. But also, when you once you have a completed design settled, um, then you can take that and deconstruct it and make step by step images to kind of guide you through the assembly process. So at that point, you're going into the shop with with a the design finalized and b you've already built it once in SketchUp, so you know the assembly process. You kind of get a feel for what happens to be next, or what what step is next. What do you have to do after this? What do you have to do after this? Or what's needed to do, or what do you need to do before you can get to putting the top on? You know, whatever. Uh, so I'm I'm a huge fan of SketchUp, but no free version SketchUp eight. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I moved over to the pay version um, so that not only because I sell my plans, so it's the rules, but then I also, I like the layout SketchUp uh, or the layout application that comes with the with the paid version. You could definitely do it though. Like Jay uses Adobe. So there are other ways around it if you already know some other software, but I, I like the layout feature and I definitely like the SketchUp. Something too that is worth mentioning um Think about, you know, the SketchUp and you can iron out a lot of the little small, like, oh, I didn't realize that was going to hit here. That was going to rub here or whatever. I have to adjust the size. But try some real world modeling, like full scale. Uh, if you have any cardboard boxes laying around, as I know I do, uh, sometimes it helps when you're doing something like a workbench. When you're playing around with that height and you, you whip out a tape measure, you're like, okay, 33 inches will be a Well, Sometimes just to, to model it out, the exact height, and then we, we can see like, oh, well, I, I, I'd like to go a couple inches taller or shorter, or this is good. Sometimes that helps and gets you away from the computer. Just don't use SketchUp if you, you're pen turning. <laughs> well, I mean, you can extrude certain nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. All right, the next question is from Ted. He says, what software do you find best for designing your website? I'm currently, I am currently, I guess, using the, the GoDaddy built-in package. Um, bottom line, my recommendation is WordPress. There's the, the free version of like WordPress.org. I don't recommend using that if you are doing a professional website, like a side business kind of thing. Maybe if you're just, you know, as a hobby blog, whatever, it's the, the, the free version, but... Just about any of the inexpensive hosting providers, GoDaddy, HostGator, uh, Bluehost, there's dozens of them. Just about any of them will work for getting the ball rolling. And on all of those, you can use the WordPress platform to make a WordPress website. It's extremely easy. You don't necessarily have to know any HTML or CSS stuff. However, you can greatly customize your website with a little bit of, of knowledge and research on CSS and HTML going forward. But just, just getting the ball rolling, getting yourself a website built up, whether you want to sell your product, whether you want to just uh, advertise or just have an online portfolio or a blog, WordPress, WordPress, WordPress. I highly recommend it. And there's several different resources out there. I watched a guy named Tyler Moore on YouTube, and I'll post a link in the article for this podcast. Uh, every year since like 2013, I think, he created a, a new video like how to make a WordPress website 
in 2015 and 2016. And he does it. It's like a two-hour video or an hour video. But he, he goes through step by step with no steps skipped to walk you through the entire process. So check it out. That's the exact route I went when I built my website uh, back in 2013. And I highly recommend it. And I think all three of us use WordPress, right? Yes. You pretty much covered everything very well. Oh. Yeah, Jay is actually the one that got me onto WordPress. I had, I, I think I had the exact same thing that this gentleman's talking about with the GoDaddy kind of built-in starter package. Do yourself a favor and just go with WordPress platform rather than rather than that. And uh, yeah, Jay pretty much said it. It's, it's like a lot of larger woodworking projects. Uh, it can it can seem daunting or overwhelming, but when you break it down step by step by step. It's not that bad. The first time you ever see the the the, the user interface, uh, the the backside of the website, it can be like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff here. But if you just take them all as you know individual parts, it's it's actually not that bad. And and you know nothing's more true than a, if I can do it, then anybody can. Because <laughs> because Jay knows my abilities when it comes to websites. But also also one of the greatest things I like about WordPress is the the future compatibility like if you make a, a html website and i'm not downing anybody who has a html website there's um matthias is html and uh, woodgears.ca uh, john heiss ibuilder.ca both of those are html websites but the the one of the advantages with a uh, content management system like wordpress is basically you're creating a briefcase of documents, okay? All of your articles, all your posts, all of your images, those are the documents inside. And you can take them out and put them in any other briefcase you want to change the look of the website very easily, which is just as simple as changing a theme to get a major structure change on the website. And then from there, you can customize it by adding stickers to the briefcase or for the example of changing CSS on the website, they change colors. So it's 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 I just highly recommend it. It's easy to to manipulate and change going forward, um, and it's easy to set up. Once you get the the whole core set up, once you get a system set up for you and your website, adding a post is basically like adding a post on Facebook. One thing I'd recommend, and this is just my opinion, but two, one thing to consider is your URL. And whether you're doing it as a very, very small hobby, maybe you're selling half a dozen picnic tables a year, or maybe you're doing it as a full-time business, either way, buy yourself a URL, and then you can forward that to whatever else. But giving out, say, you know, joesmith.com forward slash like weebly.com, you know, or if it's dot blogspot.com or dot, you know, for one, that might change, and then you're going to have no no uh, control over that in the future as far as, hey, I put this everywhere and now it's now it's not dot blogspot and now it's not dot weebly. And then it just it just looks so much better if you can say, you know, John Smith or John Doe dot com and that's it. There's no, you know, dot GoDaddy or you know, whatever. I, I I think it's cleaner. I completely agree. And I actually did that. I started off on blogspot.com because it was free. Um, I didn't really realize that this was gonna turn into something. And um, I bought the domain, wilkerdues.com, I forget, like maybe a year, year and a half into it. And it was, it was just a big hassle having to, to not only switch everything, but then it was also just plastered everywhere in videos and everything. So that's a great tip, Nip. 
Nick, go yeah. ahead and if you're going to try to do a website, go ahead and buy the domain while yeah, you're at URLs it. Are, URLs are cheap enough. I think they're like seven bucks a year or yeah. something like that, uh, which is funny because I actually bought mine. I had no idea, but this was when the internet was, wasn't was you know a big deal. And I think it was, I want to say around like 95, 96, somewhere in there, I bought nickferry.com because... Why not? I, you know, it was before Facebook and all that stuff. So I thought maybe I'll have a personal website at some point. And I didn't end up using it until this YouTube thing, but at least I had it. Hey, that's a fun website. I mean, that's a good story. My, yeah. my domain was actually purchased for me by, by a viewer. Uh, it was one of the very first like kind of gifts that I was given getting into this. Somebody contacted me saying, Hey, um, I bought the domain com for you. So I think it was like around Christmas time or something. So it was like Merry Christmas. I was like, wow, that's a really nice present. <laughs> that's nice. That is kind of cool. Also, a quick tip. Do not search to see if that domain name is available until you are ready to purchase it. Because if you search for it, um, someone else, I, I guess they can see search results or GoDaddy can see search results or share search results or something like that. But uh, I've encountered a couple times where you search for a domain and you're like, okay, it's available. I'll purchase it tomorrow. And then the next day, magically, it's already purchased by somebody else who is willing to sell it to you for $150. Yeah. And that's, oddly enough, that's kind of the reason of the woodworking podcast. Because one night I was like, all right, let's check and see if this is available. And we are all like, nah, it's, there's no way it's going to be available. And then I searched it. I'm like, well, now I got to buy it. So Yeah. <laughs> All right, the next question is from Louis Uberg, our website contributor. Thanks again. Uh, hi, here in Norway, we don't have these cleaning solutions or good blades. Uh, you have to clean your saw blades. Do you know if there is any ordinary cleaning solution that I can use for this purpose, like dishwasher tablets or something? Uh, I don't have a clue. If you can, if you can find a five-gallon bucket, they're a perfect size for 10, uh, 10 inch saw blades. So you can put something in the bottom of the bucket to elevate the saw off the bucket, off the bottom. So it doesn't have like a suction, suction cup effect where it sticks to the bottom and then just use like mineral spirits or lacquer thinner or something that, uh, is just a generic cleaner. I've had, I've had good results using uh, mineral spirits. I just keep like three inches in the bottom of a five gallon bucket, put the lid on it when I'm done, drop it in there and clean it every now and then with like a toothbrush or something. Um, but I've heard other people saying that they've had good results with just dish soap and water. There, there's all kinds of things you can use. Yeah. It depends on what your buildup is. I mean, if it's a resinous buildup like pitch or uh, stuff like that, that you find a lot in like two by fours, or if it's just, uh, just dirty or, you know, I would just definitely try whatever normal degreasers, detergents that you might have around the house to clean with. The five-gallon bucket tip is is a great tip, just because you know it's, it's the appropriate size and everything. And um, but yeah, it, that's the one of the things that I always try and stress in woodworking is that the improvise, adapt, overcome. There's there's got to be a way and a means to do it with what you have available. And I would try some of the. And if you don't want to go the chemical route, like Jay said, try some of like the simple green or the citrus cleaners or the degreasers. Uh, they're all going to do, you know, you, you might find something that's, you know, doesn't work out that well, but you might find something that works out really well. And then you're, oh, well, then you'll stick with that. Yeah. Um, regardless of what you do, though, it's a good idea to rinse it off afterwards, even with water, and then pat it dry. And then if you have like a, um, 
a hair dryer just to make sure you get all the water off that off the blade uh, because you don't want rust on your blade if it's going back up on the shelf. If not, then just put it in the table saw and and let it run below the table saw surface for about a you know half a minute to a minute or so, and, and centrifugal force is going to pull all the water off the blade anyway. I wouldn't do that personally. That's just me. No, we're not talking like a soaking wet blade, just a little bit. <laughs> I don't think I've I've ever once cleaned my blade. Really? Yeah, never. Like any blade. I guess I need to. Man, go out to your shop, clean it after the podcast, and then you're going to have one of those ah uh, <laughs> kind of this, moments. This is why people do this. Okay. I'll, well, maybe maybe after I put in that airline, I'll do it. Let y'all know the next week. It is one of those aha moments if you haven't before and I don't know, I, I, I don't think I responded to this. I can't remember if it was a comment on a video or an email, but somebody had saw one of my videos and they're like, are you editing out the sawdust afterwards? Because where, where's your sawdust going? And I'm like, trust me, people have been in my shop. They, I'm not editing anything out. But when it comes to it, a sharp blade, it seems to want to move the sawdust and, and cut it cleanly and get it in that gullet and fling it into the cabinet of the saw. And uh, it's just one of those things to where cleaner cuts, more efficient cuts. You don't have to push as hard with force into the blade and stuff like that. It's just overall good, good. Sharp tools are awesome. Hey, it's a little off subject, but I recently sharpened my uh, my chainsaw on my dad's chainsaw blade using a like a, a sharpener just for sharpening chainsaw blades. And it was really awesome. It, it almost like just clamps to a workbench like a like a typical vice does. And then it has the blade where you can set the angle of it to where you can bring it down. It has a few different stops on it to where all you have to do is rotate the chain and it stops it to where you can bring down the bring down the uh, rotating wheel and it sharpens the tooth and you can advance the chain bring down the wheel once again. Anyways, it was really slick. Have you ever used a chainsaw or a sharpener before? I have. I don't own one. Um, I own a chainsaw file, like a tooth file. I Just for quick touch-ups and stuff. But there's a guy, um, like my um, grandpa-in-law, I guess you'd call it, um, has must have, I don't know, a dozen or so different chains and he brings them in, and I think a guy sharpens them for like a dollar and a half a piece or something. So it's not, it's, it's pretty reasonable. That's cool. But, yeah. Yeah, that's not bad but, because I mean, it probably only took me about, I don't know, 10 minutes to sharpen the, the each chain because you do it in one direction and then you have to, it has a, a beveling feature on it or a modering, I guess, a pivoting feature on it, just like a modder saw does. It's where you can change it. So like my dad's tooth pitch I guess was at 35 degrees so you move it over to the right at 35 degrees set up your little stop so that it stops at the correct space every single time and then you can sharpen each tooth facing that way and then after you're done you can change the pitch to 35 degrees to go in the other direction and sharpen the teeth going the opposite direction anyways it's a really quick quick procedure I did it while we were watching the football game in the uh, in the garage so I just thought it was the neatest little thing yeah, it's almost like a little miter saw, almost with a grinding with a grinding wheel, wheel exactly. Yeah, you want to know a fun fact? Yes, I have never even touched a chainsaw. Oh, it's one life. of those aha things, Jay. You're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had the I've never had the need to even use a chainsaw. All right, right after the podcast, go out to the home center and get yourself a chainsaw. Hey, on, hey. honestly. It, it's 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 really fun. Uh, I got a I, I now have a chainsaw, but then I also have a pole saw, which is essentially just a mini chainsaw on a pole. 
<laughs> They're very fun, Jay. Just wait. Go find an excuse to buy a chainsaw. Yeah. Breaking news. Idiot cuts down power pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a funny looking tree. I mean, it didn't have very many branches sticking out of it, but there were these wires in the top. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't, you know, when it comes to chainsaw chains, sharpening them at home, that's, I'm cool with that. When it comes to like 10 inch table saw blades, I send mine out. And in fact, I go uh, with this company that's a couple hours from my house and I contacted them like a month ago and I said, Hey, could I do a video like touring what you guys all go through to sharpen these? And they were like, no, we kind of have some trade secrets and stuff. And I'm like, I'm I, like I, I kind of wanted to beg and plead with them because I think it would be a really awesome video to show. And there's videos already out there showing it, so it's like it's not a trade secret. You have a lot of the equipment that you use to do it right on your website. So I, I hope they change their mind at some point. I'll just have to keep bugging them. Mm-hmm. That would be a cool video. I'd be interested in seeing that. Yeah, because they I mean if there's a, a chip tooth, they just rebraze on a new one. They completely balance it. It's all computer, and then. They go through and retension the blade by hand. I mean, a guy that's been doing it for like 25 years. Um, it's it's just a full service thing. And a lot of people go, wow, that's a, that's a lot of steps and techniques. You know, that's got to cost an arm and a leg to do. And no, typically it's only anywhere from about 12 to maybe 25 bucks. And when you're dropping a uh, 100 bucks on a blade or more, you know, it's... Don't look at it as like a resharpening because when they're done with it, it is essentially a brand new blade. Mm-hmm. In fact, the the Freud blades that I use oftentimes, that's who Freud recommends for my state because they have all the geometry and everything. It's all factory, you know, essential settings. I don't know. I just wish they would. I was I almost was going to name drop them and say, you guys give them a call and tell them <laughs> Nick's got to come over. <laughs> but I'm not going to stoop that low. I've. Not yet. Maybe if they don't get back to you, (laughs) 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 then we'll revisit the topic of name dropping. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably true. So next week. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it would be a cool video. So yeah, I would get back to them. I mean, more than likely they're worried about not really trade secrets. That's probably just the reason they give you, but they probably just don't really understand the whole YouTube thing. And they're like, ah, could this somehow get us in trouble or who knows, you know? Yeah, and and they also said, well, our shop isn't set up for public viewing, and it's really dirty. And I said, that's fully understandable. I worked in manufacturing for years. I know how it goes, and you know, I I can zoom in. My my camera has a zoom. (laughs) You know, we don't have to see the trash can behind the. But it's just one of yeah. There's not many people that I talk to on a regular basis that really send their blades out to get sharpened, and that to me is that aha moment because you are essentially getting a brand new blade. And like I said, you could be missing teeth on the blade that is, and they'll rebraze, <laughs> they'll rebraze on the carbide. There, there's different, it's, it's crazy what they all go through. And these guys that have been doing it, oh man, it just goes so quick. And uh, yeah, anyways, enough of blade sharpening. Okay, let's go on to another question from Chris. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Okay. He enjoys the podcast. He tells us to keep up the good work and information and advice. Uh, My question is, it seems like much of your time is spent on the road, either at shows or meeting or working with other builders or building projects for your own homes or shops. So how is it you're able to make money doing this line of work? The power of the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the power of the internet, starring the internet. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, there's... 
Uh, short answer is to just go to smartpassiveincome.com. That's the short answer. The long answer is there's, it's basically marketing Difficult. and sales. Versions of marketing, you could have like sponsorships, um, in video advertisements, uh, the YouTube advertisement system, website advertisement systems, and then also selling stuff. So I don't think any of us do, we do, if any, very little actually selling projects. Um, occasionally I'll sell like a, a pen or something like that, but it's selling plan sales, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. Um, plan sales are a big thing that keeps me going, uh, creating a plan to have everything needed for that particular project to be completed by somebody else and selling it. It's a product, make a product, sell a product. You pretty much have to multiply. You have to open up as many streams of revenue as you can in order to make something like this work, because there's not one stream that I know of that is, that will make a woodworking YouTuber content creator enough money to just live off solely. Like the AdSense from YouTube is not enough for any of us to live on. Um, so like what Jay was saying, it's just all about opening. It's about opening up multiple streams of revenue, um, a website that you can run ads on, that you can have a little shop to where you sell merchandise or plans, affiliate links, um, sometimes in the description. Like if I sell a, if I'm using a drill, I will leave a link to that drill where if somebody purchases it, I'll get a small commission from Amazon. Um, however, I do know a few of us do commission jobs. Like I think Rock and H Woodshop, he actually will take on a commission job and film it and then use that for uh, his his video for content creation. There's other people who do um, like craft shows. Like David Petuto, I know, was really big in the craft shows, making a few things and then going to a trade show and selling it for the weekend. So there are a few of us who make and sell stuff, but I don't, I don't know if, uh, if you would be able to have like a traditional commission business model to where all you do is make and sell stuff for other people or make stuff for other people. And that's how you make your living while also maintaining a, a, a regular video schedule. That, that to me would be very difficult. Yeah. For me, for me, it's, uh, I had to take a substantial pay cut, uh, from what I previously did to do this. Um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, and my, my channel's growing and all that stuff, but I'm on this, you know, same boat. You got to have multiple sources of income. I still do a few commission, uh, jobs for local cabinet shops for custom cabinets. I probably do, I don't know, five or six custom cabinets a year, larger substantial pieces like curio cabinets. Um, I do the, the props and movie or, uh, theater sets that I still do. Um, but so for me to say I create content full time isn't isn't even a hundred percent accurate. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned the, the Amazon, like affiliate links or, or any affiliate links from any other company, it's, you got to make it work. And I I've had to make some rather dramatic changes in my life to make sure that that budget fit my lifestyle could then fit with that newer budget. Uh, you know, we, we, like I said, we only have one vehicle currently, um, that was in preparation for you know trying to do this full time, but you just kind of you kind of have to hustle and just kind of figure out. Um, I'm trying to think of how my buddy always said it. 
it was similar to the word hustle, but uh, you got you got to have game. You got to you know you got to got to be able to make make scratch. <laughs> well, like Jay said, it's all about marketing. I think in sales at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole the whole thing. Everything boils back to marketing, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you have a product to sell, which is plant sales or T-shirts or whatever. You got to let people know about it, whether it's just someone casually watching a video and them not really interacting with you at all. Well, the YouTube platform is a marketing platform as far as advertisements go. So uh, it's it's marketing. It's also very difficult. A lot of people think that it's very easy um, but it's actually it's actually pretty difficult and it takes a while. I think a lot of people who want to kind of get onto the platform and make videos and make it their living don't really anticipate it being years before the ball is rolling enough to actually make that make that transition into doing it full time. So if you are looking to get into it, definitely start, um, but just have a reasonable expectation of maybe a few years before it's actually rolling enough for maybe to be able to quit your job or some something of the sort. As much as this this whole YouTube thing evolves, it's going to get easier. I think it's going to get easier easier and mm-hmm. easier for other people to get involved. Uh but yeah, when I when I started uploading a video, I started um uh, I got onto the whole weekly schedule and did the the uh videos in December December 8th of 2012 and then March of 2013 so a couple months later i started the website and once i started the website it was one video one article per week and that's on top of a full-time job and it took me a year and six months in order for me to be able to quit my full-time job so there's a little bit of of an example as far as the effort that uh i put through to get to where i can quit my job and i don't want to sound discouraging by any means Uh, i encourage encourage you to everybody to to you know follow your dreams and and uh try and make an idea a reality whether regardless of what it is uh, but also have a realistic expectation of the work involved as well Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah the work and the timeline i think mine was also a year and two months but at that point it was only because i was making myself sick trying to maintain both trying to work full-time job while also trying to put out a weekly project and video. It's a tremendous, it it is a full-time job in itself trying to maintain that schedule. And so um, I quit my job, not because I was making enough money, but because my husband was, he understood that I wanted to try to give it a go. And he was supportive about kind of taking over the the breadwinner role and allowing me to try to pursue it. So even though I quit my, I I hate to tell people it took me a year and two months to quit my job because at that point I was not making enough money to actually compensate for my living. So yeah, I would, I I always tell people, give yourself around two years of working steadily on YouTube and a website before you're kind of, the ball is rolling enough for you to think about quitting a job. And I've had a few people, I mean, close to half a dozen people say, you know, what's different? You seem happier. And yeah, this is. It was a pay cut, but I'm I'm ten times happier. Mm-hmm. And for for people that I haven't seen in a while, to just almost like five minutes after talking to them, notice, hey, there's something different. He seems happier. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't be happier with this because I tried, you know, the whole you know working in a cabinet shop thing. I tried the whole craft show. I did that for years and years and years. It, the repetition or you know casework and stuff like that. That was not you know. Uh, wasn't for woodworking, you. Woodworking, it was always a, a part of me, but it 
it's it becomes you, you're a, an assembly line, and I applaud anyone that can do that. I couldn't. It it took all the fun and the passion that I ever had for for making stuff right out the window. So, really quick, who's messing with a utility knife? Nick. Me. That's going to show up on the audio. Well, it's going to be heard. Stop it, is what he's saying. Pop. Pop your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, are we out of time? Yeah, we have one more question, but I think we'll leave it for next week. Okay. So, with that being said, I want to remind everyone that there is a couple different ways you can stay up to date with the podcast. You can go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com and subscribe via one of the buttons up at the top. If you are subscribed on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. That always helps, and it's it's, uh, pretty encouraging reading all all of the feedback you guys provide. So thank you very much for that. And if you'd like to contribute, there's a couple different ways you could do that as well. You can go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com and click on the contribute button, or you can go to patreon.com slash the woodworking podcast. I totally went blank right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Catch you on the flip side. See ya. Bye. Please remove audio disc one and flip to side B. <laughs> <laughs>